If anybody ever steals my boat, they need to look for the red dots if they go fishing in it. Be like, if it's a red dot, you're going to catch fish. Right. They're going to be upset that you don't have a, a, a hot foot. I know. I know. I can't reach the pedal. So that's the problem. Hunter can't drive my boat because I have a hot foot. I have to use a net and push it to load it on the trailer. Let's do this. Well, no, I've done it. I thought, have I not? No, no, mine. Oh, I did it on somebody's. Use the net and give it gas to run it up and load it on the trailer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shorts. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of the Hunter Fishes podcast. So excited to have my good buddy here with me, John Carroll, aka Mongo Fishing. Yes, sir. What's up, John? How are you, Hunter? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for for uh, the opportunity. You say this is your first one. This is. But you've had lots of YouTube. You you've been in front of the public eye a little bit. Yes, sir. That is correct. So. Uh, so we're going to dive in just right off the bat. We know each other yes. from fishing. Yep. Uh, have fished together many, many times over the years. What? Uh, when did you, this is fishing podcast, so we got to talk fishing a little bit. Okay. When did you start fishing, bass, bass fishing? Um, you talking about like as a child or are you talking like tournaments? Tournaments. Tournaments, I started, uh, so I was, actually, I was actually bored one day oh. in 2017 uh, looking through YouTube, and I found um, the old uh, FLW Arkansas TV shows that that uh, that used to be on. I don't, I don't think they were filmed anymore. But anyway, I saw those FLW Arkansas shows, and I watched like you know two seasons, um, and then I decided I, I wanted to try this BFL thing and fish as a co. And so in 2018, I, that was my first attempt at a tournament was fishing as a co-angler um and bfls so the first time i remember i'm sure i talked to you before that but the first time i really remember you had a hook somewhere in your head yes and you came to weigh in with a hook just like buried in your face yeah so uh that was that was i think 2019 uh i was fishing lake washita uh i had i was running my old uh, low boat at the time and um, I had this spot that was pretty good for jerkbait fish, and I was throwing a jerkbait, and uh, I don't remember why, but for some reason I was, I was using a different reel than I, than I normally use, and I, I just didn't bother redialing it in, and I, I uh, sent this jerkbait a little far, it ended up in a bush, and so I was trying to shake it out, and when it released, it went straight into my face, and so the very first thing you have to do when you have a, a hook in your face is see how deep it is, so I took a selfie, and saw that it was buried completely. And uh, so then I ran over, I, I knew that I couldn't get it out myself. So I pulled up some random dude and I was like, hey, can you uh, can you get this hook out of my face? And he's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I was like, all right. So then I drove my boat to another dude. There's actually two guys. And uh, the one guy says, man, we always come across the weird stuff when we're, when we're fishing. And I mean, not exactly, he, you know, he used some other words, but we always come across the weird stuff when we're fishing. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, last time we were out here, we came across a guy who was shot. And I said, how do you come across a dude shot while fishing? And he's like, well, I mean, it's technically on the way home, but still. And I'm like, I want to party with you guys. But, um, yeah, so he took the hook out of my, uh, off the, the bait, but he couldn't get it out of my face. So I just <laughs> left the hook in my face and fished the rest of the tournament with a piece of tape over the hook. And then had it removed at the ER that night. Everybody then, was like, "Who's a really tall, crazy dude that <laughs> has a hook taped in his face?" Yeah. And then, uh, and then the next day, I fished the Mister Bass. Uh, and then, you know, with the hook is removed, obviously, but it was a little swollen. But I'd forget about it, and I'd go to, like it was cold, so I go to like rub my face, warm my face up, and you know, immediately remember that I had a hook in my face the day before, <laughs> and it's all of a sudden painful again. So. Yeah, good times. Yeah, that was one of the first memories I, that I remember of you, and everybody was like, this dude's nuts. Why does he have a hook? Why is he still here? <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> And it, he's just, like, walking around like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, yeah, so, having conversation. <laughs> it went in my face at, like, I think it was, like, 8.36 a.m. is when I took that selfie, and it came out at, like, 8.30 p.m. that night <laughs> at the ER. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you, do you know there's a hook in your head? Yeah. But, no, and then did you have your fancy jerseys then, or was that after that? Um, 
That's the other thing everybody remembers. I, I want to say you had that jersey on. No, did you not? No, I was wearing. Uh, I was wearing one of those um, Afco Reapers. Oh yeah. And I remember that because I was so afraid that the neck thing was going to get stuck on the hook, <laughs> and then I'd be like stapled to my shirt the rest of the day. And that's why I had to make sure I put tape completely over the rest of the hooks that were sticking out. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so now I'm remembering we fished one day. And I hooked a gar. <laughs> Speaking of hooks. Yeah. And John's like, here, I'll get it unhooked. So you reach down there, and the gar shakes, and it hooks your hand. And now you're tied to the gar. Yes. And then you're like, oh, no. And you reach to get it with your other hand, and he shakes again. And now you have both hands yes, around the gar, hooked, bound together. And the gar's shaking. And you're but, saying but not need, good words, but, and but I'm laughing. To go back to the original reason why I was so willing to catch the, to take this hook out of the gar in the first place. It was a custom painted crankbait. That sir. was. It that was. was. So I didn't want you to lose your. You crankbait. sacrificed. Right. And you just and <laughs> with uh, me having both hooks in both thumbs, <laughs> um, and then one pinky, and then also. The other hook still in the gar, <laughs> and the gar wasn't happy. Right, <laughs> you're holding it out the water, trying yeah. to get it to stop shaking, yeah. and I'm like, and I'm stapled to it. We finally get the gar loose. I'm like, John, let me pull this out, and you're like, I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, well, let's, and then so, we spent like 15 minutes deciding if we we're going to the hospital or if I was going to pull it out of your hand. So, so yeah, it was like, uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, Would you say? I said. I said. Can you do the line trick? And you said, well, I've, I've only done it once. And I said, well, but you, you did it. You're, a thousand, you're batting a thousand. <laughs> I said, you, want, you know, we can try. And, and you said something like, well, but if I, I can't get any better. <laughs> like, I'm, it can, I'm only, a, it can yes. only go downhill. And I was like, yeah, but if you, if you still mess up, you're still batting, you know, 500, and that'll put you in the, in the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> let's try it. But I'm, I had to, because it was my right hand, so I had to use my left hand, which I'm right-handed, so I had to use my left hand to get the hook off of the bait, so, because you couldn't use the split ring pliers. Right. And that was, I mean, that was a challenge in itself, just trying to use opposite hand to get the hook out of my hand, or get the bait. And then, and then, we finally get everything done, and he puts his, he puts a hook back on. <laughs> And catches a couple more bass. I don't think I caught anything else the rest of the day. No, I but think, that hook caught more fish. Yeah, yeah. It was tainted. And I felt so bad laughing, but flavored. I had to because it was it was very comical. Oh, it was, to it was watch hysterical. Because um, you were laughing and in and pain. Cussing. Yes, yeah. yes. It, but it was it was a good time. Um, <laughs> I don't think you and I have had a bad time fishing yet. <laughs> no, but I don't think we had any more hooks other than I think that was the only hook incident. Mm. Probably, but I mean, probably not. Uh, but it's the only one I could think of. I mean, that one was, was pretty brutal. I mean, stapled to a gar all over a, a custom painted bandit. Yes, <laughs> that I don't have now, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure lost. I lost it the next time I fished. You probably lost it in a gar. Yeah, that I, did, <laughs> that I didn't grab a hold of. Yeah, good times. But you mentioned the jersey. Yeah. Yeah, so for those of you uh, that, that don't follow me on, on the socials or anything or haven't seen me, um, I have a little bit of a sense of humor, and so my jersey, instead of looking like a billboard, I I'm, I'm put a tie on there because you got to dress for success. It's still a normal jersey like you see me and everybody else wear, yeah, but, but it has it looks a tie. Like a suit and tie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the fancy guy. Yes, dress for success. <laughs> and you always say when we fish together, we look like a – what do you say? I say that typically, so, yeah, because you're what, how tall? I'm three feet. How tall are you? I am six six. So uh, you and I either look like a decimal point next to a one, or it looks like one of, like we were bed fishing one time on Table Rock, and the looks as people went by us were hysterical. Like it was like, I don't know if they thought that maybe Hunter was standing in the rod box, or if they thought that I was standing on something and he was kneeling or whatever, but you'd see boats kind of like do these double and triple takes. Like, what is going on with these two? So, I mean, I love fishing with them. You just fish over me. Like, right. I don't even know you're there. You just throw over my head. I never know what's even going on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good time, though. Well, so you, you start tournament fishing in, in 17. 
But uh, you fished. 18. 18. But yeah. you fished forever. I did. Lived in Florida. Yep. Deep sea um, fished or salt. Yeah. So, whatever you people in Florida call it. So, yeah, I, I lived in Florida off and on for, um, I don't know, a long, long time. Uh, probably 10 years, 12 years. And uh, I didn't bass fish. I just didn't see a point in chasing a, a small little green fish when I could run the boat further and go catch big green fish, catch <laughs> mahi mahi or, or wahoo or you know tuna or whatever. Like that became my thing. I, I quit freshwater fishing um, basically uh, from 2018, or sorry, from from uh, 1998 until um, 2014. I I freshwater fish just a handful of times what was what was the biggest fish you ever caught in the salt um that's tough i mean because you catch big sharks and stuff and and i i don't want to big sharks don't come in the boat they get to the boat cut the line uh it is what it is um (laughs) it's a little more dangerous than a gar (laughs) (laughs) uh but i think my biggest I guess my probably my most memorable is we were trolling uh, in my 22-foot boat that I had uh, out of Destin. Uh, we were like 40 miles out in the Gulf, and I had um, my buddy Jesse and my buddy Polly and Jesse's son, and really nobody had any saltwater experience except for me, and so my, my thing that day was to, we were running like meat rods, stuff that you can put smaller baits, catch some smaller fish, get some small, you know, dolphin the fish, not the mammal, mahi-mahi, um, or, you know, king mackerel or wahoo or something like that. We weren't fishing for, for big, big, you know, pelagics, smaller pelagics. And so, anyway, Polly uh, starts saying that there was a swordfish behind my boat. And I'm like, Polly, there's not going to be a swordfish. Swordfish during the day are, you know, thousands of feet deep. They're not 400 feet deep. And, but it didn't click in my mind that Polly doesn't know the difference between a swordfish, a sailfish, and a marlin. Neither do I, yeah, for what's so worth. So they're, it's like a large mouth, a spot, and a small mouth. They're completely different species. Sure, they're bass. And in this case, sure, they're billfish, but they're completely different, you know? And so they have different, um, I guess, requirements of where they live. You know what I mean? Different environments. Of, and so daytime swordfish, I wasn't thinking that it could be a marlin or, or a sail. And uh, so anyway, it, it ended up um, hitting the... The uh, uh, left outrigger, and then just just dumped my my rod, and I grabbed the rod because um, it would have to be my at bat. You know, we do a little cycle of, of who's at bat per uh, per per bite per knockdown. So it was my at bat, and uh, long story short, I had 30 pound stand up gear, um, no belt. You know, so stand up, so I'm not I'm not sitting in a chair, um, fighting the fish without a belt, and it being an eight and a half foot marlin. From uh, eight and a half foot blue marlin, uh, measured from the fork and the tail to the lower jaw. So wow. um, it was a it was a big marlin on thirty pound stand up gear, and it, it took um, ten miles and an hour and forty minutes. Ten so, miles? Yes, chasing it ten miles in the boat. Oh wow! And an hour and forty minutes to catch, but we got it. See, I've got and a then, lot. And of... then you got to let it go because I didn't have a federal permit. So <laughs> all that work just to let it go. <laughs> yeah. I've caught a lot of fish. Like, I feel like I've caught some big fish. Never once have I had to chase a fish. <laughs> Ever have I had to be like, I need to chase that fish so I can catch it. Right. And you chased one for 10 miles. Yes. Wow. I mean, That's impressive. Well, they're a little bigger than bass. <laughs> and then you brought, I know, <laughs> I always catch very huge, nasty, rough fish. I feel like every time we fish, I catch a giant carp or gar or something. Right. So you had the, the, the fighting belt. Yes. And you brought it to me, and you're like, you need this in your boat, because every time I go with you, you catch some monster fish, and you need a fighting belt. That's so. a fact. <laughs> so, Florida, what th- this is this is a cool part, I think, of your story, and that I really enjoy listening to the stories of. What what brought you to Florida originally? I may be wrong, but I think I know why you were in Florida originally. Yeah, so, um, so I'm, I'm retired military. Uh, I originally went to Florida. I was stationed at, at Patrick Air Force Base and Kennedy Space Center. And uh, uh, at the time, uh, my job was Explosive Ordnance Disposal, which is the military's version of the bomb squad. And uh, being stationed there, you're NASA's EOD team. 
So I was I was NASA's bomb squad basically. Got to hang out with you, astronauts and. <laughs> well, no, it's it's the you know it's it's uh, we worked every launch, every shuttle, uh, and then of course the Atlas, Delta, and Titan rockets also that put the satellites up in space. Worked all those launches. I didn't work every single one for for that time frame that I was there, but I worked a vast majority. Um, I guess I you know if you would have planned it out, probably could have worked every single one, but. No one thinks about that. <laughs> just think I work here. That was just a, a normal thing to be yeah. around the space shuttle, right? Right. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I worked a, a bunch of launches. And then, unfortunately, the last launch I worked was the spatial uh, Columbia that came apart over East Texas and West Louisiana in 2003. So that was the last shuttle uh, launch that, that I was part of putting up. And then it you know came apart. Um, so, unfortunately, I had that... that uh, experience of doing the cleanup of the Columbia also. So gotcha. two totally unrelated things. I wasn't responsible for the anything with the they coming apart. Let's not get that twisted. Um, but yeah, we, as bomb techs we have to be there on scene during during launch. And so that's why I was part of that launch. And you served I did twenty five years. How many tours overseas? Seven. And you're the crazy guy that wants to go get a hold of a bomb and make it not blow up. I mean, it's not crazy. It's just, uh, it's a calling, you know? You told um, me one time you're either right or, or it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's no longer your problem. So that's what you got to look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's, it's the calmness that it must take. Yeah. Like so, I, ne- I never thought about the research end of it, but you, you research everything, but it's because of your background, the research man, you had to do and the studying you had to do. Yeah, so I nerd out on the dumbest things now. Um, just because, it, yeah, like you said, I wanted to know everything about everything, because you can't be wrong. Like a mayfly hatch, right? Fishing. So, so you know everything so there is to know back, about a mayfly hatch. We turn this back to fishing, exactly. So Hunter and I had this discussion two years ago about mayfly hatches and fishing mayfly hatches, and then, and and then I found one on Lake Millwood in practice, and it turned into be something pretty good, but it died on me before the tournament. And so I researched as much as I possibly could about mayfly hatches, and I wanted to know the different species in Arkansas and how long their life cycle is and how long they're going to be out of the water and all this stuff so I can play it to my advantage. And then, what, a week later or maybe two weeks later, back on Millwood for the TBF, and I took fourth. And so, that you were and like, I was the only person fishing a mayfly hatch. You are like, you're asking me questions. I'm like, John, I don't know the hatch. Brim eat them. Bass eat the brim, fishermen catch the bass, everybody's happy. Yeah. You're like, well, there's several species. I'm like, John, stop there. <laughs> it's a mayfly. I don't know. And and these questions, and you're like, well, I've been researching. Yes, obviously you have because yep. I have no idea at this point. Right. I just have to, I, I don't know, I, I have to nerd out on stuff. If there's something that, that gets in my head, I need to know everything about it. Did that come, did that, did that, did that come from the, the background of having to, I think so. The schooling. Yeah. I'm sure it's pretty intensive. Yeah, I mean, it's a long school. It's like nine months. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the toughest ones in the DOD, both physically and mentally. Really? So, but it's totally worth it, you know. You were able to, you may not be able to answer this. You are able to work with the Secret Surfaces a little bit? Yeah, so, um, yeah, with that job, we work with a bunch of, of, federal agencies uh you get a chance to work with the secret service the atf the the fbi the i mean you name it all sorts of different three-letter agencies really cool i mean neat opportunities that yeah, yeah. The, the normal person never even exactly. knows exist right 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 some of it's really really, really cool yeah. but you know some of it i can't talk about right. yeah it is what it is you're that's that's why i think he's so cool because <laughs> people are like i can't if I tell you I have to kill you, and John's like, seriously, if I tell you I have to kill you, you know? No, but no, I'm not like that. But it's it's uh it's just you know there's some stuff I can talk about, and there's some stuff that I obviously can't. And then, but not knowing everybody in the audience, um, it certainly makes me a little more shy about sharing absolutely who I've worked with. And I'll leave it at that. Or worked, yeah, worked with, worked for. Right. But. So recently, 
Let's let's get back to to recent. Okay. You kind of you went on a tri- on a excursion. You've been out west. Yes. I, I actually this first day I've seen you in what roughly six months, seven months mm-hmm. probably. It's been a minute. Uh, lots of hiking. Yes, sir. That's your kind of your new deal. You're enjoying is a lot of hiking. Is that correct? Yeah. I. Uh, so I went out. In September, I went out to Arizona to go visit a friend and to go skydive. And we were going to skydive over the Grand Canyon uh, to remember a buddy of mine that's that's on my, my bracelet here, um, of my buddy Brian that was killed. And so we are going to go skydive over the Grand Canyon uh, on Brian's um, death memorial, if you will, right? Um, and it's Arizona, okay? Um, and we were, we were canceled due to rain. And so we went for a hike. And then the next day, we were canceled due to rain. So we went for a hike. And and so four days of rain, either where we were or where we were trying to go. But basically, we were we were shut down for four days. We couldn't do anything, so we just went hiking. Because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? We're trying to just go skydive. So the fifth day, our last opportunity that we can go do this, um, call, check. And they said, yep, everything's good to go. You know, we're... we're we're good for jumping. Sweet. So we're loading up the stuff back in the vehicle to drive uh, over there. And they call and they said, never mind the FAA, shut the runway down. So you can't jump. So I just spent another day hiking or whatever. And ultimately what this did is for the first time in a long time, the desert didn't feel like it was going to get me. Right. I mean, having seven combat deployments, the desert did not feel like a safe place for me. But all this hiking in Arizona, it's not the Middle East. It's, you know, it doesn't look the same. It, it, looks, it looks different, but there are some areas that are very similar. Um, but obviously there's no saguaro cactuses in, in Afghanistan. Uh, but some of the mountain areas look very, very similar. And so I'd, get on, I'd go on these hikes, and it was kind of therapeutic to realize that no one's going to shoot at me. You know, that I can finally relax. And honestly, what the thing that relaxed me the most was uh, the, my friend that I was visiting, she had a Shih Tzu. And I would catch myself on these hikes, you know, like we'd stop, take a break, and I'd, I'd take a knee. Or I'd start, you know, trying to set up some sort of security, and I'd pay attention to, what, you know, like, who's walking up. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're in Payson, Arizona. You know, and I have to teach myself and, and convince myself to relax again. Well, I asked her if I could walk, if I could, uh, walk her dog on the trail. And the reason for that is because out of every patrol I ever went on in anywhere in the world, I never once had a Shih Tzu. <laughs> I mean, serious. Had, it, had there been a lab or a Belgian Malinois or something like that, and maybe I wouldn't have had that same sort of little comfort. But because you see those in war zones but I never saw a shih tzu and so I was like let me walk let me walk Rocky and you know I'd feel him like tugging on me or whatever and I'd look down like yeah, well you're totally in Arizona <laughs> so safely in the US yeah and it really helped so then I came back here and it just something was saying you need to go back to Arizona and hike more and just I don't know heal if you will so that's what I've been doing, hiking uh, just as much as I can, and and that's a lot. In case people are wondering, yeah, because you so, told me earlier. Yeah, I don't want to get into all the numbers and stuff, but it was a lot, whole lot, a whole lot. Uh, and the reason, part of the reason behind that is because uh, I have a handicap placard, and it says that I'm not supposed to walk more than 100 yards. And uh, I noticed there in Phoenix that I can't stop at the closest parking spot at Walmart and walk to the closest register without breaking that. And so if I can't go to Walmart without breaking my handicap placard, maybe I should just ignore that doctor and pay attention to my body and let it tell me when I need to stop. So that's what I did. Awesome. And that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That We were actually talking about different places you could go hike. Yeah. We could, you know, because I'm such a... 
you know, hiker so that I know all the trails. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> oh, you got one leg up on me. <laughs> so, so this is the, 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 the type of, good Lord, John, I just washed my tongue. I can't do a thing with it. Um, so this is the type of sense of humor that Hunter and I have when we're talking together. And it's gotten us in a little bit of trouble on TikTok. Uh, because we, so we were, we were, what were we going, we were going fishing and we stopped to get gas. And so we had discussed this, what I, what I was going to say, but apparently some of the viewers didn't like it or whatever. Cause I, I got, I'm pumping gas in Hunter's vehicle. And I said, man, the cost of gas is getting expensive. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And then we pan over to Hunter and he's like, really dude. So do you remember that TikTok? Oh yeah. Because there was somebody who was like, that's not funny. He took it too far, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, do you remember the dude that randomly walked up to me during that? And yeah. I got his business card, and, like, I went and did yeah. motivational speaking for his business from there. Right. <laughs> like, we're in the middle of filming that, and he's like, hello, can I talk to you? I'd like to talk to you for a yeah. minute. <laughs> it's too awesome, man. I remember that. That was funny. And then we did another TikTok because, I don't know, we wanted to do dumb TikToks, but we did another one that was, like, I had a crankbait. And it was just a normal bass catching crankbait. And, and John's like, we should talk about the crankbait with you holding it, and then you hand it to me, and when you hand it to me, I'll have a bigger version of the same crankbait. No, no, no the it's the way. other way, other way. John talks about the little crankbait. He hands it to me, it's bigger. I'm like, that would be funny. And I'm thinking, you know, a little bit bigger. He brings like a deep sea version, and I'm able to match it like to the T. I've got the same crankbait, it's two inches long, and his is like eight. And so we do, and I like toss him this giant crankbait when he grabs it, it's a little bitty, and then he tosses it back to me, and I've got it with both hands. Yeah. That's that's just, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we do. That's we fun. should have been catching fish, but instead we're floating down the White River right. making videos. Right. Oh, we made some, uh, we made some fishing TikToks. We did that one on the, the one I caught that, that bass on, uh, what tournament did we do together? The river one. Um, oh, River Rumble. Yeah, uh, Rumble and the River. Uh, ABTT, yeah. Yeah, because I caught that big one, and we were, like, arguing. You're like, I think it's a granule. Hunter's like, it's a bass. And I'm like, it's a granule. He's like, it's a bass. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm the one who's 6'6", six, six, and I'm, I can't see it, apparently, but he's three foot, and he can see it perfectly. Clear. I'm like, it's John, that's like a $5,000 fish. <laughs> he's like, it's Get a it in the boat. I'm like, it's a granule. He's like, it's a bass. <laughs> had good times, man. Yes, lots of, and you know what's crazy? You've got what about fifteen hundred subscribers on YouTube? I've got thirty. Oh, I, or, sorry, I've got I've got three thousand, thirty three hundred, something like that. My bad. It's okay. Um, but you know, it's not like you have hundreds of thousands. You know, I, I had the win last fall, got a lot of publicity, but I have more people come up and go, "I watched you with that Mongo guy <laughs> fishing so and so." I have more people talk about you and the videos they've seen me on your stuff with oh that's crazy than anything else i have people all the i'll be across the country but hey you fish with that really tall dude don't you y'all were in some clean water catching on jig i'm like yeah i remember filming that yeah that's awesome dude yeah, and we just like we were just fishing right and you'd put it on your channel you know right so it's lots lots of folks watching the mongo well you know and i'm and uh I make videos or I've made videos for the Monster Bass channel. Um, and I've had you on the Monster Bass channel. I made a video because right. you and I fished. What lake was that? Um, oh, man. What lake was it? You and I fished. It was, we're throwing chatterbaits all day. Nimrod. Nimrod. Yeah, so this is the coolest story ever. So we're fishing, and he's catching fish, and I don't think I've caught anything yet. And Stephen Browning uh, pulls up. And Hunter and Steven were talking because you had just got done doing Ufala or something like that for the MPFL. And so he was, you know, congratulating you on your check or whatever it was, something like that. Right. I don't remember, but yeah, I'm and then, to the extent. Yeah. And then Stephen Browning leaves and Hunter and I pull into where he was and I catch a five pounder on a chatterbait. And Hunter's like, dude, you just caught a five pound bass behind Stephen Browning like, look on at you. a chatterbait. I'm look like, at you go. I'm like, yeah, and that's a, something will never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. That that right there just tells you claim the fame. Yep, that's my one thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a good time. So let's talk 
only because this was brought up beforehand, I forgot about it. Let's talk random hobbies. What yeah. random hobby have you had, John? Um, because it really is intriguing. Well, so yeah, uh, I used to grow live coral, grow and sell live coral. Welcome to Arkansas. We didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, so I used to grow quite a bit of it here, and uh, actually, um, back when when you could sell it easily on Facebook before Facebook started uh, regulating it. Um, these were all uh, coral that were grown here in the U.S. None of this was imported illegally. None of that stuff. This is stuff that I had grown myself uh, that had been aquacultured. So it means that it had come from someone else grown here in the U.S. Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not importing. I'm not doing damage to the environment. If anything, I think it's helping because it's allowing people to grow coral here and experience it themselves and it's not hurting uh, natural reefs right so anyway i used to gr uh, grow and sell a lot of, of coral um I w there's a there's a club here in arkansas called uh, the razorback reef marine aquarium society um i was the club president there for a couple of years and then the club president of the coral club yeah so yeah there's a it was yeah we were the the largest aquarium club in the state so fresh or saltwater at See, the time this is, this is wild to me yeah like, but that's but that was you know pre-covid so covid shut down the opportunities for because the club we do monthly meetings and people would you know like trade stuff trade corals back and forth the club would, would buy coral we'd be able to, to split that and share it so people can grow it more and blah 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 uh, again that was pre-covid and then i think i i quit as the club president probably in 2019 all that bass fishing got in the way. It really did. Uh, and then, you know, I had a, a bunch of coral in my house. Uh, I was out on the boat one day, and uh, Jennifer called me and said that uh, my lights had fallen in my tank. And so uh, it, it somehow fell out of the roof and crashed into my 125-gallon tank and cost me about ten grand in livestock. So Golly. So that stuff's fairly lucrative. Yes, it can be. But just like anything else, you know, it, you, it, it's it's not something you can just jump into, right? You know, I've been in the saltwater uh, hobby for years and years and years. So, um, yeah. You have any other weird hobbies I don't know about? Um, not that I can think of. What do you consider I'm weird? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to be like, yeah. Also, I don't know. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything else. Enjoy bird watching. I like to lately it's cardinals. been a lot of lately there's been a lot of photography a lot of a lot of flowers actually really yeah because i've been you know hiking in the desert and spring in in uh, the desert is gorgeous because everything is starting to bloom so um yeah i did a lot of hiking and taking pictures of just random flowers because i could you gotta find <laughs> beauty in the small things man that's right sometimes it's a little crankbait Sometimes it's a little crankbait. It's true. It's never a Ned Rig, though. Those things are ugly. <laughs> oh. So, let's talk fishing a little more. Okay. I love, I think everybody that knows me knows I love throwing a finesse jig. Yes. You hate throwing a jig, period. But, unless it's a swim jig. Unless it's a swim jig. But I've tried to change your mind on that through the years. Yes. And you've done. you've been pretty successful. Um, because it's it's... I mean, I know a jig is something that catches fish everywhere because a crawdad lives in every body of water in North America. If it's in natural body of water, it has crawdads. That's another one of those research topics that you it were sending really me stuff is. on. It really is. Um, Arkansas has 60 species alone. Um, Can you name them? 50, no. <laughs> Bob, Fred. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, no, Arkansas, maybe it was 56. I, don't remember, I haven't done my research on it in, in a minute. I've been hiking. I haven't thrown a jig, but anyway, so yeah, uh, I know that, that a jig works everywhere because there's a crawdad everywhere. There's not going to be shad in every lake. There's not going to be herring in every lake. There's going to be a crawdad in every lake or stream. That's so, right. And a jig can resemble a shad or a brim or a crawfish. It, it can, but it's most of the time it's it's a little creature crawling across the bottom, a little right. crawdad. That's why most of them are little crawdad trailers. You know what I mean? 
Right. Uh, and I'm just not a fan of throwing them, even though I know they work great. But you were able to convince me, especially with the finesse jig. Um, you still can't get me to throw a Ned rig, but it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But yeah, you got me throwing jigs, and that got me, it just, it made me, it kind of made it put a challenge in me that I have to just throw this until I get used to it, until I like it. And then I kind of did the same thing with the swim jig, and that's because I saw Flan put on... Flanagan Five. Flanagan Five, who put on a freaking clinic on Dardanelle one day with... Uh, a swim jig and I, I was on the back of the boat just watching in awe all day long I couldn't even tell you how many fish he caught but he caught a ridiculous amount of fish with a swim jig and I was like I need to learn this better because he's just putting on this clinic and so I did a lot of that and I got better with the swim jig and then now I feel more confident with that I feel more confident with the regular jig and it went farther than that with the swim jig. Our buddy Danny it did. at Brazalo. Yeah, so Danny, so I had Danny, I asked Danny to create a custom color for me one year. And he created it, and then he uh, he posted it on, on Insta, I think it was, and people were like, I'd like to buy that. And he's like, sorry, it's custom color. And then um, when I was down in, at the TBF National Semifinals on Millwood, I called Danny uh, and left a, a voice message, or maybe I sent him a, a message, but either way, I, I left a complaint, um, complaining that his black and blue swim jig is catching too many fish because I can't shake them off. I wasn't able to shake fish off in practice because they just kept choking it. And um, and I was, so I left a complaint that it works too well. And so he called me back. He's like, dude, that's the funniest complaint I've ever heard. And then he's like, but while I have you on the phone, can I sell this swim jig? <laughs> That you know the custom color I made for you, and I was like, well, I don't know. We discussed a little bit and the name and all that fun stuff, and I was like, yeah, dude, do it. If if people want to buy that color, then they can, yeah, let them buy it. So that's kind of how that came about. And, and it's named named uh, Mongo's Minnow after the one and only yeah, Mongo. Mongo fishing. Yeah, and and Mongo came. That was my call sign way back in the day when I was a bomb tech. So. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't actually know where that was from. Yep, that's where it came from. I thought it was just because you were so tall. And that's where it came from. Yeah. There's more to it, but we won't discuss that on here. <laughs> so you went from the guy that can't throw or wouldn't throw a jig to, to having your own signature colored swim jig. Yes. Yeah. And catching all the fish on the jig. <laughs> Not all of them, far from it. But, yeah, no, you, you taught me a lot. Uh, it certainly boosted my confidence in it. It's uh, Yeah, I can't thank you enough for that, that's for sure. Man, hey. I'm just I'm just fishing, man. Right. Hoping somebody learns something. Right. What uh is that your favorite technique now? It's up there. I mean I I mean if you give me an opportunity to, to fish a uh, mayfly hatch, I'll do that year round. But but that's that's not really a technique though. Well, but that that totally is a tech. There is a there is a technique to fishing a mayfly hatch. That's true. Because if you guys haven't fished one, it's it's so mayflies. They'll come out in, in the millions, and they'll build up. They'll stack up in the trees, directly above from where they hatched. And when they're hatching, and when they you know first reach the surface, they're just a buffet for bluegill. And so you'll hear the bluegill snapping and popping and whatever. And then when they're doing that, the bass will start coming in and feeding on the bluegill. So the mayfly hatch technique, if you will, what what I like to do is throw a frog into the tree and get it stuck. You know, I'm not trying to throw it underneath the tree. I'm throwing it into the tree, and then I'm shaking my frog loose, which then knocks a bunch of mayflies in the water. Did you do I have to know. <laughs> and then I throw my frog in. Did you screw up and throw it in the tree, and that's how this started, or did you do it on purpose? No, I bumped the tree with, with uh, the boat, mm. and it just covered my, my power poles and, and engine in mayflies. And so you just, they, just, they go everywhere. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of that. And then, um, yeah, as you try to, as, I mean, a person with my skipping abilities, as I attempt to skip under a tree, I'm guaranteed to get stuck in that tree at least a time or two because uh, I am not good at skipping. Um, so it, it helps. <laughs> it helps to suck at You're too me. tall to skip. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Um, but, yeah, so you get it stuck in the tree and you shake it. All the mayflies fall in. Not all, but a big you know, chunk of them. And then you, 
you you know your frog comes flying back at your face like a mock thousand you know you duck reel it in zip it back underneath the tree again while all those bluegill are still popping on those mayflies catch yourself a big bag repeat well, wash rinse repeat do it until you can't do it <laughs> what's your favorite body of water fresh water mm, that's tough um i don't know man i really like greers this time of year but you couldn't pay me to fish greers in the summer because it just gets too ridiculous uh so then i really like hamilton too though i don't know if they're my favorites they're uh but they're both fun i really don't know what my favorite is your favorite's wherever they're biting that's where your favorite should be wherever you yes. can catch fish yes which i've not caught a bass this year i know what in the world you even tried i know i tried once <laughs> i tried a couple days ago i caught a white bass hopefully by the time this airs you will have caught many bass uh, a bass fish yeah a bass <laughs> fish that's right <laughs> as eric calls them so i i guess the first time we fished together was during the pandemic yes when everybody said don't yes be around anyone <laughs> <laughs> and you know there was a group of us that was like hey let's all fish tournaments even though nobody's having tournaments yes and we're scared that they're going to get on to us because we really didn't know what in the world was happening so i we socially I distanced kind of on boats put it together but we said put in where you want we're going to meet at a point we're doing this only with people we know because we're not even going to see each other to weigh in and cheating would be really terrible for you know like a 150 dollar prize but you can be terrible for anything but yes but for real like <laughs> This was perfect. This was the perfect tournament setup, in my opinion. Yes, put in where you want, when you want. You don't even have to be there at daylight. You just had to let people know you were coming. Yeah, tell them. Text me for showing up and paying your entry fee. And don't leave. Like, find if you if you're like, man, this is terrible. I'm going home. Find me and give me your twenty dollars because that's all we were doing. <laughs> don't just leave. Like, either find me or come to the designated meeting point in yeah. the middle of the lake and give me your money. And we're going to weigh fish, and somebody's going to get all the money. Mm-hmm. And we did this every week during the week because. You know, nobody works. <laughs> Nothing. Like, everybody was off the fish during the week. Yeah. So, we uh, we did this, and the first one, I'd done a few, I think, but the first yeah. one I did with you uh, is on the Mongo page, and we went to some secret squirrel stuff right off the bat, and I wouldn't let you film anything. Right. We so caught we, a pretty start, good limit. We start the video, we already have a limit. Yes. I mean, you know, whatever. But, but that's important. But we won. Yes. We and did. it went a long ways with the 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 fish that I was not allowing you to film went a long ways towards winning. But yeah. regardless, we start the video. We had a lot of fun. First time we had fished together. Oh, it was a blast, man! Um, catching I was catching fish on jerk baits. You were catching them on like a Carolina rig because you caught a you caught a hybrid on a Carolina rig that day. Yes, I remember that. Because I, I, I thought it was the world record smallmouth. Yes, because I I caught a I caught a hybrid on a jerk bait like just a few casts prior. Because I was thinking the same thing. I was so excited for this monster smallmouth. And, but, but and that was, was the deal. <laughs> we were at Greer's Ferry. There's yeah. no, you know, hiding that really without going to North Arkansas, nowhere else to catch smallmouth consistently right. in Arkansas. And that it was smallmouth only. Like there was some tournaments to fish on the weekends, but we were doing smallmouth only, so everybody had fun and just go catch as me smallmouth and best five as you can and that's that's what we focused on man that that those tournaments helped me so much with that lake because honestly i never went to the lower end prior to that i had no need to yeah because it wasn't i didn't know the smallmouth i didn't know why go i mean i was still i still had that 17 foot aluminum you know and it'd take me 45 minutes to go from takeoff to the dam and so yeah we could put in anywhere but i had never learned that lower end because why would i and that's it's changed since you've been home it's changed like smallmouth are playing a lot bigger role at Greer's now this right. year than i've ever seen but there was no point in the tournament to go to the bottom right. because most of the time largemouth win mm-hmm. and they, they were on the, the upper they had, end they had the 12 the 12 inch minimum for spots and smallies and they had a 15 inch minimum in largemouth right and so five keeper largemouth wins. trumped every time yep and so everybody stayed on the upper end, and that's why we're like, it's so much fun to catch smallmouth and something we don't get to do in Arkansas. We're like, we're having smallmouth only tournaments, so everybody gets to have fun, and nobody has to be faced with a choice to either win or have fun. Right. We're going to do both. Right. And then, and do you know, that was, I guess, 2020, 
This is the first year that those smallmouth have been on that same stuff really good That's that I found crazy. them on this that, that year. It's That's like crazy. we've made some checks off of them this year that I'm sure as it gets later they'll be on the same, but the earlier stuff, like the stuff I'm catching them on in March, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it either. I never went to the lower end, and right. I spent a lot of time because I was, I was going like – it was the only place, like, there was no nothing to do, but there wasn't a ton of income, so you couldn't just go travel. Right. So I was going to Dam Site. It's 40, 45 minutes from my house, Dam Site at Greer to Heber Springs, Dam Site Ramp. And I was going, like, three or four days a week. I mean, that's we didn't have kids yet, and I was just going to Greer's all the time. Right. And all I did was learn the lower end. And that stuff that when I finally clicked and I, how I caught them, on that lower end early pre pre spawn stuff has not like the next year twenty one and twenty two it's like oh man I'm fixing to wreck them and I'll go practice for a tournament and not catch them at all I'm like man what is the deal <laughs> so but this year they're they're back I I think it's the high water because yeah. the last two years hadn't been just super high but man they're like they're where they were three years ago remember last year Hunter and I did a a little we're gonna fish for lunch derby and on Greer's and I was really confident that I was going to do well. I think I caught one keeper all day, maybe. Or no, I came in with three, but two of them were Kentuckys. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was so bad. I was like, this is horrible. I love lunch derbies because even if I lose, I get to go eat lunch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good times, man. But yeah, yeah. So we, the very first time we fished together, we won that little derby. Yeah. I had a good time. Not mm-hmm. a lot of weight, just a great old Arkansas 10 or 11 pounds of smallmouth. Right. And then we fished. We fished there a couple times since then with the same thing. Like, hey, don't record this spot, but we can record that spot, sort of thing. Um, I remember one time you made a cast and you caught like a four pounder, and you're like, I don't think I'm gonna want this on YouTube. And then like <laughs> a couple casts later, he catches like a huge walleye on the same exact cast, and he's like, I don't want this on YouTube. I remember exactly where they're at. I was <laughs> I there the other day. I went there the other day. <laughs> I. You know, when I first got a GoPro, I was like, man, time to grow the socials. I'm going to start recording everything. And I remember recording, like, several tournaments on the river and doing what went in two or three of them. And then I get home and I start editing. And I'm like, I don't want that on there. I don't really want that spot on there. And I'm three days in and don't even have any fish catches that I want to show. And I'm like, well, there's no point in recording locally, I don't guess, because I don't know. I mean, not everybody's out to get your spot, but. Some stuff is very spot specific, and I hate to just give it all so away. So especially if it's jig stuff, but like the way I look at it, like springtime, I like to throw crankbaits. I don't. I need to learn how to do an A rig better because I keep getting beat with you know people throwing them, but I just don't like them. But I need to make myself do it. And so wintertime, when everybody else is out A rigging and jerk baiting, I'm throwing a crankbait, and it's it's cashed me some checks, and I see a lot more people in my stuff that I used to fish what they don't realize is why it's so hard to say yeah catch somebody else's fish it's yeah. terrible right i mean i can show you where i'm fishing and what i'm throwing doesn't mean you're gonna catch those fish right it doesn't mean you have the i mean why are the fish there that day it just means That's when the I'm... important part the people that i don't have to part i don't have to give that part out right but the problem is when you roll up on that something that's very distinguishable Right. A dock, a building, something in the background, and you're like, I know where that's at. Then you roll up on it a day you need it for a tournament, and there's some goofball that doesn't know what's going on. That's true. That watched it, that's sitting on top of it. And you're like, man, I wish you'd get out of the way. Right. And he just ruins it all. That's true. And that's, and I don't know. There's a little bit, maybe I shouldn't be a secret. I love going out of state and filming. I'll show you everything. I'll show you <laughs> anything you want to see. Just the stuff we got fish locally here every week. I hate showing everything. Right, right, right. Now, I've thought about doing that, too. It's just... Um, you know, hiding more stuff. Um, but again, most of the time for me, it's all about why am I there in the first place? Right. And if the person hasn't figured that out, then it doesn't really do me any good. And that, I, when we started fishing together, it was something I really struggled with because I'd already had that moment where I was like, the GoPro doesn't go in the boat until I go to a lake I don't know. Right. And then yours is like strapped to your chest, and I'm like, oh no, he's going to record everything. <laughs> but it hadn't been bad at all. No, I'll just tell you, I'm like, hey, put that away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's that's another reason why I enjoy, like, recording with you and fishing with you and all that stuff is, like, you know, I, I know we've had we've had a blast on oh. several places. And sometimes we can film where we're at, 
but we just can't film when we got there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> because then it shows you how, you know, where the place is. Right. And you'll understand. You know, that one spot that you and I wrecked them on a little frog and, and a flipping bait. Oh, yeah. On that, that one specific tree. Yeah. And we caught our limits sitting in one spot. Yeah. You know, we did that several times in that one spot. That that was so you good can, that... And, and, and you can film it, show that all you want. You no just, one's ever going to know how to get there. No. There's 150,000 of those. That was White River. There's yeah. 150,000 of those on the White River. Right. I mean, it was just a specific one. <laughs> yeah. That that was good enough. I handed you my phone. It was like, video me catching a fish on a frog. Yep. That yep. was good. What did we catch, like 15 fish out of that thing? Probably. And in we, one throw. And then and broke a couple off uh, yeah. flipping. Yeah. So, that was a good time. And I, I made like two or three checks off that tree after that. I I'd run it. I'd run to it and pull up just five as fast as you can throw and leave. I believe it, too. I believe it. That was such a fun place. We had a spot, a tree, in, in on the river that i don't know why but for like five years my brad and i right my partner we uh man it was awesome and we'd just hide from everybody we'd roll up and catch five and like win a tournament off of it in a tuesday nighter and leave and it hadn't been like that in two or three years but it was such a like if somebody was around we'd never go to it right and if there was a boat coming we'd leave right but man it was so good i don't know i have no idea there's 500 of them in little rock on the river and it's just they just like that one yeah that one, and it was Brad. He was like, "We ought to hit that." I'm like, "Dude, we've hit ten of those." He's like, "Let's hit that one." We called a limit the first time we hit it. Like, won the tournament, I think, or right at it. It's like, man, that's a good one. I wonder if they'll be there again. And for like five years, they were there every time we pulled up and dropped the trolling motor. So that's one thing that I've started doing uh, the last couple of years is every time I catch a fish, I, I save that spot on my my fish finder. If so, Greers, for example, if I'm working on the bank in Greers, and I catch a brown fish, I save a brown fish. If I catch, you know, a spot or a largemouth, I save a, a green fish. And then what I've started noticing is I'm starting to pick up patterns of stretches of bank that they're constantly sitting on that that I may not remember. Right. You know, but I can look and, hey, I've got 15 fish saved on this one small section, you know, from all these different trips. Yeah. Maybe I should fish that section. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, do the same thing on Hamilton. And you might see one dock with just a start getting a bunch of of pins on it and i know there's always a fish on that dock right or whatever so it's starting to help me it, the only reason i did it is because we did the anvil jaw uh championship on bull shoals yeah and i've never been to bull shoals before and to me that lake just all looks the same mm -hmm. and and what i was doing early in the morning during practice is i was running uh, you know, spot to spot to spot, chasing shade lines, throwing the buzz bait and whopper plopper and stuff like that, primarily buzz bait. And, and again, marking when I'd catch, you know, green fish and brown fish. And then come tournament time, I had an idea of which of these coves I wanted to run to and which ones I was just going to skip because they just weren't worth it, you know, because again, they all looked the same to mm -hmm. me and on a lake that I'd never been to before. And I was actually able to start patterning uh, where I was picking up fish based on like channel swings and stuff, looking on my map later, going, ah, this is... I get it now. Yeah, I see why they're here. And then I was able to run that on the second deck, or run that, that pattern, the channel swing pattern, that I had picked up on, that I you know, learned, if you will, by looking at all my marks. See, when the lakes I don't know, or the out-of-state lakes, I make very detailed, because I don't remember, and it all runs together. Like, I swear Grand Lake and Lake of the Ozarks could be the same lake. <laughs> like I'll be thinking about it and be like, all right, I'm gonna go here, and I'm like, man, I'm 250 miles from there. Right. But I'll, I'll have like a detail. They'll be like, tree with, whatever stump, or I'll have stuff like that because I learned the first year I started traveling, I had waypoints, and I was excited on year two. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go this lake, and I'm gonna catch them because I had this stuff, and I get there and it's just a waypoint. I'm like, I don't even remember what the why, why did I waypoint that? So right. now I make notes on everything. Well, you know, I bought, I got that boat from Horizon, and it was an MLF boat, and it had, I didn't know this at the time, but it had, like, when I come across a big uh, stump that's going to, you know, rip off my lower unit, I put a stop sign on my chart, and that way I know, don't go over there, <laughs> stop before you get to that spot. And so every time I see one of those big, scary stumps on, you know, like Dardanelle or something like mm -hmm. that, some place that, you know, I put a stop sign. And... uh 
And then I took my boat to, I don't know where I went, someplace out of state. Oh, I went to Tennessee. I went to, you know what? I went to Teleco Loudon where they just did the classic. I went there. And um, I found all sorts of stop signs. Really? On my, on my graph. But did those mean stay away or did those mean stop and catch a fish? Who knows? They were not ones that I put there. And they were also pointless. <laughs> you know, I, I mark always But if, like, if you watch the classic, you'd realize that, that lake is full of so much stuff that looks gorgeous that doesn't have any fishing. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just literally everywhere you look is the ideal brush pile. Or the, like, oh my gosh, this is a Perfect. rock transition with, you know, a single piece of isolated cover next to it. Like, you know, on a point. Or what, like, it's just, if you put everything together... There's going to be a fish. No, there's no fish there. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's the watch bar is not much better. Yeah, that's, that's how right. I felt. I'm like, man, I've fished 273 miles of bank and I've caught three fish. Yeah. Teleco Loudon was horrible. But, but yeah, at Millwood one year, I, put, I always put a skull and crossbones if it's something I don't want to hit. Mm-hmm. That way I know. And I, I was marking them in and out of Mud Lake and practicing in a tournament. And I had so many marked that my whole screen was just a skull and crossbones. So I was like, I really, I don't think I did well because <laughs> there's just so many stumps. I was like, now I don't know what I'm doing because everywhere I go, there's a stump. Right. So Millwood, I put uh, the exit symbol um, on my graph wherever there's uh, like when you know because Millwood has those running lanes. Oh yeah. You know, so where the lane ends and you're exiting, I put an exit symbol there because I also you know drive around and I leave trails. And so I try to follow my trail back, and at least I know if the trail is going towards an exit sign, that was my trail going out and not some trail going to another random spot. <laughs> so you don't get lost. Right. And then last year, I ran Millwood when the water was kind of down, and I slowed down at each one of the channel markers because they were still there. They hadn't blown away. Mm-hmm. And I marked a channel marker or marked a, a spot so that when they do blow away next year or whatever, because they're going to, again, they do all the time, at least I'll still have the channel markers marked where they're supposed oh, to be. That's such a good idea. <laughs> where the channel is supposed to be when the river's normal. At, at Saginaw Bay last year, I I ran a no-wake zone during practice. Self-reported it because I really – the city gave us this map that was like – it it was terrible. It looked like the key on a map. I mean, it, right. it, and it was the whole map for like – a 30-mile stretch of river, and they're like, here's the map. Don't run no-wake zones. You'll get tickets. And it'll be like, this bridge to this bridge you can run, then you idle the next three bridges, and you run halfway to this bridge, and then there's a buoy, and you idle 100 yards, and you run a mile, and you idle two miles. I mean, it was right. dumb. And the one of the days of practice, I guess the sec- first or second day of practice, I, I ran, I thought, I got to a bridge and thought that was the end of my no-wake. So I put it on pad, and I ran quite a ways and I passed a couple of other competitors and they just looked at me like I was crazy and then I got to the no wake buoy which means I was leaving the no wake zone and I shut down and I'm like oh gosh I screwed up and I, I called and self-reported and he said are you sure you ran a no wake I said I'm 100% positive that I've run a no wake and I had a little penalty I had to take off the last two of the three days um, but whatever it is what it is it was my fault right. but from there I marked I, when I idled back out that day, I marked stop signs. No, it was maybe red dots and gray. I don't know. I'd have to look at my. But I marked right. the ending of every no-wake zone very clearly on my graph, and I thought I'll never use this again. And we're going back to Saginaw this year, and I'm so excited <laughs> to go idle where I'm supposed to and run where I'm supposed to and not have to worry about it. Oh, that's awesome. So the, the more you travel, the more you realize – you know, for years, I didn't mark anything. I still don't mark much around here. I remember a lot of it. But right. for years, it was just a waypoint. Like a brush pile, a bedding fish, anything was all the same waypoint. Right. It was just a blue dot. And now there's so much more. If it's something that looks good, it may get a blue dot. But if I catch a fish, it gets a red dot. Or Truman, when I won last year, I had everything was marked with a tree for brush piles. But every time I caught a keeper out of it, practice or tournament, if it was a brush pile that I hadn't already caught a keeper out of, I changed it to a red dot instead of a brush pile. And then by day three, you could look back and go, all these red dots are where the keepers came from. I need to concentrate more time on those brush piles. Right. You know, and it's, yeah, I'm 
I'm having to, to learn to be smart enough to where if I go back, I know what in the world I marked. Yeah, so I did that on Millwood uh, when I was doing that mayfly hatch thing. Um, the better mayfly hatches, um, the ones that were consistent, I put uh, a dollar sign on. There and you I go. I knew those are money spots. There you go. And Whatever then, you just, yeah, I could look I at yours like, and be lost, and you could look at mine and yeah, be lost. I was like, that's a money spot. I got to put money on it. Otherwise, because <laughs> if I just mark it as the same as the other Mayfly hatches, you know, I might lose my rotation. <laughs> and so if I just put the money spots, I can go, yep, I can hit these others, you know, in between or whatever. But this is where I need to go to start. This is, where, this is what's going to give me my five. If anybody ever steals my boat, they need to look for the red dots if they go fishing in it. Be like, if it's a red dot. You're going to catch fish. Right. They're going to be upset that you don't have a, a, a hot foot. I know. I know. I can't reach the pedal. So that's the problem. Hunter can't drive my boat because I have a hot foot. I have to use a net and push it to load it on the trailer. Let's do this. Well, no, I've done it. I thought, have I not? No, I don't mind. Oh, I did it on somebody's. Use the net and give it gas to run it up and load it on the trailer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shorts. <laughs> But, he's, but I mean, you know, but you see fish better than I do. You're a better bed fisherman, that's for sure. Man, I know. We went to Table Rock, and I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to bed fish. And you're this tower of a man looking down, and you're like, I don't, I don't see it. Right. How do you not see it? It's right there. On top of that, though, I get really bored really fast. I know. We went to Table Rock to specifically bed fish during COVID, and within 30 minutes, I'm throwing a jerk bait. I know. You're like, you're like, go ahead and catch that <laughs> fish. I'll, I'll be fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I caught several. That's why I like forward facing live scope so much now because it's like bed fishing all year. You're like right. I see a fish, I'm going to catch you, that fish. You had it, but you you weren't experienced in it yet. Because remember when no. we were leaving one of the spots and you're like, oh man, there's some crappie. I wish I could catch them. And I, I caught like, a smallmouth. And I was like, you have your forward facing. Like, try it. Because remember you backed into uh, a parking spot and you put your power poles down so that they wouldn't, you call them your engine protectors. Oh, yeah, so, so it wouldn't bump the drift. dock. Yeah, yeah. You, you drift back and forth, and it would bump the dock and not your engine. Yeah. and uh, Which I thought was genius also. But hey, When uh, you tear stuff up a lot, you have to find ways to not tear stuff up. <laughs> right. That's, um, yeah, you've, you've showed me some impressive stuff with driving boats, that's for sure. You've shot through gaps that I didn't think were possible. That was you with me at Darnell, wasn't it, when it was. I ran that? Yeah, and I tried to film it. And it didn't come out. You were probably shaking too much. No, no, I was totally down for it. It just didn't come out very well. It uh, when I when I turned off the camera, it uh, it corrupted all the files. So I lost that whole entire day. That that's one thing about John, man. With your background, I can't really scare you. You're like bring it on. I've seen worse. <laughs> like I think I'm gonna run out of here. You're like, all right, I'll film. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that came up in Vegas. I was at a Sky Jump Las Vegas, uh, which is like the 108th floor of the Stratosphere. And you jump out, and it's it's you're on cable. You're not on bungee, um, so it just slows you down, right? You're only doing like 40 or 45 miles an hour. It's not free fall, but it's as it's as I guess as fast as it lets you fall. But you jump off the 108th floor of the stratosphere outside, and um, so like they got the little harnesses and all that stuff. And the lady's like, "You excited?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm excited." She's like, "You don't look excited." I'm like, "I disarmed bombs for 20 years. This is my excited. Like, you don't want to see me excited." This is fine, lady. Let's just do this. <laughs> uh, man, that's yeah, awesome. You, you know, you've asked me several times, like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot across this. You okay with that?" I'm like, send it. Let's do this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let, can I hold two cameras? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a blast. I've, I've learned so much fishing with you. Well, I've learned with you too. I have. It's oh. funny. You go with somebody and they. They go with you, and you still learn stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Taught you everything you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so the other day, I'm on the phone with him. We have a, a mutual friend, and um, Steve was my team member last year. And, yeah. And we were I was going out of town, and my two team, yeah. I'm like, y'all just fish together. So, so Steve was my team member last year, and I called the other day, and Hunter's fishing with Steve at the time. And Steve had just won a tournament like last week or whatever. And so I was like, hey, congratulations, Steve. You know, all last year I told Steve that I'm only good for two fish per tournament. That's it. He's responsible for the other three. And, uh, and it didn't matter how many fish I caught that day. I'd still say, well, I'm only going to provide two. <laughs> and so even if you know, I already caught three or whatever, I'm like, well, Steve, 
I'm still only responsible for two. You gotta call up this other one or whatever, right? And so Steve won last week or two weeks ago. And so I'm on the phone with Hunter and he says, well, I thought Steve everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Thank you, John, so much for coming on. Get to reminisce a little bit. Hopefully we get to fish soon. Definitely. Uh, it's a lot more fun to reminisce with you than to reminisce with strangers. It just seems really <laughs> weird. But, yeah, chatting with you is, is always a blast. Well, tell everybody where they can find the Mongo. All right, so uh, YouTube, it's Mongo Fishing, M-O-N-G-O. Um, and then a fishing, you guys should be able to spell that by now. And then, uh, but I haven't put any content out in a long time because, again, I took a break. I took a break from fishing. I took a break from social media for the most part. I took a break from just everything so I could regroup and focus on myself for a while. Um, and so there is more content coming on the Mongo Fishing channel. It's just, if you look right now, there hasn't been content in a while. And that's because I had to fix me. And that's explained, actually, in one of those Mongo videos that yeah, you talk about that. I can't fix the world till I fix myself. That's right. Also on socials, right? Yes, Mongo Fishing on on, uh, on Insta uh, and on the book Faces. And then, of course, YouTube. And TikTok. Oh, yeah, and TikTok. I haven't made a TikTok in probably a year also. I know, it's when you been make another stupid TikTok. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in to Episode 7. Go find Mongo on his channels and uh, check out Stick 5, and we will see you all later.